0: Just do what God's called you to do. And maybe it'll lead you to Mongolia or Romania, Azerbaijan, Albania. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but you know, you just serve God faithfully and see what happens.
1: Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Pastor Tim Pasma, who served for 36 years as the Senior Pastor of LaRue Baptist Church in LaRue, Ohio. Tim and his wife, Becca, have been friends of my wife, Chris, and mine for nearly 40 years. It's amazing, Tim, when I even say that. (laughs) We've also had the privilege of serving together in the Biblical Counseling Movement in various ways, including on the Board of Directors for the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Tim is a great example of what it means to serve the Lord faithfully in small-town America. And by God's grace, biblical counseling principles have been a cornerstone of what's happened in LaRue, and and that's what we want to explore today. So, Tim, thanks for joining us, and can you start just by telling our listeners about the town of LaRue, about your family, and about your church? Sure,
0: sure. My family, Becca, my wife, and I had six children and now we have 14 grandchildren.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, wow. it's great. It's great. So our kids grew up there. Our kids have grown up in the same little village and been a part of our church for all those years. LaRue, well, it's a village of about 700 people. Hmm. Uh, until recently, we had problems with flooding. We had the 100 year flood in 2011, and then the 100 year flood in 2013. It was wow. kind of gave our church an opportunity to really minister in the community but it's a nice little town. Most of the folks there are blue-collar workers. They work for Honda or for Whirlpool, and so, yeah, it's a little town. The church, our church is about a congregation in the morning when maybe around 150. We're starting to get cramped. We've planted a church, but those slots that left are getting filled up now again, and so, it's like you said, I've been there for, for 36 years, and I uh, went there in 1985.
1: It's pretty amazing when you have a church in a town of 700 people that would, on a typical Sunday morning, have 150 people there. (laughs) I I guess. (laughs) Hey, can you tell the listeners when you became involved in the biblical counseling movement, and what role has that played in your life and ministry at LaRue?
0: Well, I love to talk about this. So I went in 1985. In 1986, I was ready to throw the towel in. Wow. I was done. I didn't know what to tell people. Someone would come to me with some problems and I'd say, "Well, maybe preaching on that in November. Can you hang on until then?" <laughs> of course, that's assuming that my sermons are really great and they're really listening. <laughs> so, I was just really struggling and a friend of mine sent me a pamphlet from Faith Baptist Counseling Ministries yeah. in Lafayette. Yeah, And so, they had a 12-week program going 12 Mondays, and so I would leave on Sunday night and go through the course, which was marvelous. How long of a
1: drive would that have been for you? It was
0: about four hours. Mm -hmm. We stayed with a retired missionary couple and then would come home uh, on Monday night. But it was phenomenal. And that what kind of influence it had, it radically changed our family, for the first thing. Hmm. I mean, it radically changed our family. I tell folks, we'd been married nine years, and we didn't know the purpose of marriage, hmm. right? Well, you love them, so I guess you get married, right? Hmm. I learned about raising my children. I learned the four rules of communication, and all my kids know them. <laughs> And it radically affected our family. It radically affected our church. And so as we started talking about biblical counseling. And some wise person said, don't go on a frontal assault against some things that aren't biblical counseling. Just start showing them how it works. And so I would counsel, we'd be teaching, how do you handle worry and anger and so forth in Sunday school and stuff. And after about five years, we were all on the same page. Hmm. How's that influenced us? It's the idea of change is in the DNA of our church. Yeah. And people understand that, and they're mm. not afraid to talk to one another about those things, and they know there are answers in the all-sufficient Scripture. So that's just part of us now.
1: Yeah, that's really fascinating. What are some of the opportunities that you have to counsel from outside of the church?
0: You know, when you're in a small town and you're the only pastor that's counseling, mm. you get to be known as the counseling pastor. If you've got problems, go to him. And so that led to a lot of opportunities. It's been useful, again, like I said, for a church life, but it gives opportunities into the community as well. So all kinds of things flow out of that. You get to know people in your community better. I remember one guy uh, was struggling in his marriage, and, you know, people knew it. There was no you know, small town, no big thing, I dropped him a note and said, hey, man, I know you're struggling, so if you want help, man, I'm available.
1: Now, that's really something. So you actually reached out to him just because in a small town community, the challenges that he was facing were known, so you took it upon yourself as a pastor to make yourself available to him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that has to speak something to the level of confidence that you would have in the sufficiency of the Word of oh God, my. because you wouldn't have known in advance. It's one thing to say somebody might be struggling in their marriage, you have no idea going in what that means. Exactly. And yet you're not, as a pastor, afraid of that, not because of your own confidence in yourself, but because of the confidence in the sufficiency of Scripture.
0: Yeah. And over the years... That confidence just grows, you know. In the beginning years, I'd be intimidated by some of the things that the psychologies were saying, mm-hmm. and but the more I counseled, the more I heard people's stories. Hmm. Right? I say, yeah. well, the Bible, the Bible deals with that, mm-hmm. and so yeah, you don't have to worry about. Boy, am I competent in marriage counseling? Can I do this? You, well, the Bible has the answers. Let's dive in and see what's going on.
1: Hmm. How has it affected other areas of church life, for example, just your relationship with your key leaders or what you do when a problem rises up in the church? Can you talk about what does biblical counseling principles of sufficiency of Scripture and progressive sanctification? You said earlier it's in the DNA of yeah. your church. yeah. You and I would understand what that means, but maybe there's someone who would be listening who's not quite clear. What does Pastor Pasma mean by that in practical terms? Can you flesh that out for us? Sure.
0: So the Church knows the Bible has answers for the problems of life, okay? But where the Bible doesn't speak, like the color of the carpets. Hmm. We're not going to fuss about that. We're not going to fight about that, right? Hmm. Because we also know from Scripture that you can't be divisive and you have to be unified. Yeah. As a church that practices church discipline, we've seen great unity come from that because people say, I can't let the sun go down on my anger. Yeah. I've got to deal with the problem, especially if, you know, communion. I've got to deal right. with this before communion. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, it's affected us in terms of unity, in terms of leadership. We're all on the same page, right? We know that the Bible has answers. The Bible actually tells us how to do church.
1: Hmm. Interesting, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. You know, not the latest thing that we learned in our pastoral theology classes and things like that. You know, we know what hills to die on what hills not to. Hmm. We know that, okay, we have a problem here, what are we going to do about it? It's also engendered shepherding, idea of shepherding. Hmm. We have to shepherd the flock of God. We have to be helping people with any kinds of problems they have. And so that's what we do. That's what our guys do. So it's affected the way we just approach church. Of course, it should. The Bible has plenty to say about how we ought to be as a church. So all those counseling principles are part of our church so that we're solving problems. We know, hey, I don't exactly like the color of the carpet, but okay, that's not important. Yeah.
1: You know, both of us were greatly impacted by the ministry and life of Dr. Jay Adams, and I remember when Jay was planting a church in South Carolina, and I went into his office and there was a little plaque on his wall that said, problems are for solving. And it's interesting the way you have just talked about church life, because we know as pastors we're sin-cursed people as pastors, yeah. we're shepherding a group of people who are cursed by sin, and so there's going to be problems, that is inevitable. Yeah. But it sounds like what you're talking about here is that you're not going to run away from those problems, right. you're going to run toward them because yeah. of your confidence in the Word of God, and you would agree with what Jay's plaque said, that those problems are for solving.
0: It's interesting that you say that. When I was coming to Lafayette for that course... Basic counseling course, my first year in the ministry, I was really struggling. And I said to Randy Patton, yeah. yep. who was coming down from Fort Wayne to teach, I said, Randy, could we meet for breakfast before class sometimes? Go, sure. So I, I tell him all these things. And here's what he said to me. And, and again, this is one of those transformative moments. Mm-hmm. He said, "Tim, look at 1 Corinthians 11:10. There must be divisions among you to show who's genuine." Yep. And here's what he said to me. He said, "Tim, a successful ministry is not a ministry with no problems. It's a ministry that solves problems God's way." Yeah. And man, that just that was like lights going off in my head, and that has guided me so much. No, you don't need to run away from problems.
1: Yeah, and it's fascinating <laughs> that you would use that illustration in that passage, because Randy Patton's testimony is when he was pastoring in Fort Wayne and experiencing some difficulties, he was talking to Pastor Bill Good, <laughs> and um, Pastor Good said to him, Randy, do you have a Bible? Open it up to 1 Corinthians 11.10, <laughs> and he used that exact same verse, that there must be divisions among you which is a fascinating thing. It's not necessarily good news. No. But it's honest news. If we're if we truly believe in the doctrine of sin, then we believe that this side of heaven, every church is going to have problems. And even if you found a problem-free church, the moment you walked in, now now it's no longer problem-free. No, that's the truth. And so but but the temptation is to try to cover that up. The temptation is to ignore it, to let it run underground. Yes. And that's why Bill Good and so when Randy was in a tight spot and he called Bill Good. Pastor Good gave him that passage of scripture and, fast- and said it has to be that way. And isn't it interesting? That's 2 Corinthians 1 right there because Randy Patton was comforted by that particular passage and he turned around not long after based on the timeline you just gave and he comforted you with the same comfort with which he had received from uh, God. Yep. <laughs> and I I've,
0: I've used it with pastors too. <laughs> so you know? it didn't
1: stop with you. No. No. Oh, I absolutely love that. Yeah. In fact, another Bill Good saying that has guided me so well, he used to teach us, because Bill Good was my predecessor at Faith, and he said, problems in a church are like guppies. You can either deal with the two you have today or with the thousand you're going to have next week. <laughs> And he was right, they just multiply so rapidly, so, and as you mentioned earlier, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, let's believe in the sufficiency of the Word of God, let's value the sanctification process for everybody who is involved, let's not run away from the problems, let's run toward them, let's exalt Christ, let's seek the spiritual formation of every person involved, and let's honestly believe that the Bible is sufficient and can bring us to a point where that problem gets solved.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so that has a major effect on a church,
1: Yeah, you know, produces unity and joy and all kinds of stuff. It's also interesting that just the role that biblical counseling training played in the longevity of your ministry, that do you think you'd still be at LaRue no, 36? No,
0: no, no, no. If it hadn't been for that 1986 and taken that counseling training course, I would have thrown in the towel decades ago.
1: Yeah, and it wouldn't it be a terrible thing if... Tim and Becca Pasma weren't in the ministry because of just discouragement yeah. as a result of problems in a local church. I mean, yeah. that would have been such a terrible loss for the kingdom, terrible loss for you guys personally. And isn't it fascinating that God used that training as a means of oh my. equipping you?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And I say that over and over when I'm teaching in different venues, you know. I say, if it hadn't been for this, I would have thrown in towel because this also taught me... What does it mean to be a pastor? It's not just preaching.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, it is binding up the wounds of the sheep and going out and finding them and helping them. I didn't have that model when I came out of school.
1: Yep. That's something else that Pastor Good used to like to say. He would say, I don't want to be a pastor just one day a week i want to be a pastor seven days a week so it's not uh, about the primacy of preaching it's about the primacy of the ministry of the word Word of god yeah now he loved to preach and he was very excellent in the pulpit but we only had worship services one day a week that left six more days and he wanted to pastor people with that same authoritative scripture and shepherd them through the challenges that they faced throughout their week and so he was a pastor seven days a week Praise God for that. You bet. You know, I'm just wondering about somebody who might be listening to this podcast, and maybe they got a brochure, physically or electronically, and they pitched it and said, hey, I don't have time to receive training in something else, or I don't need training in something else, or blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Would you um, be a pretty strong advocate of receiving biblical counseling training somewhere? Absolutely. And when I'm teaching, I
0: often ask, how many of you here are pastors? And, you know, class of 100, there may be five guys that raise their hand. And I'm saying, listen, this is not something that you add to your repertoire if you have time or if you think it's okay. This is pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. This is the ministry of the Word of God to sheep who are herding. This is not something extra. This is the very heart of pastoral ministry. And everyone else is like, you've got to be part, you've got to be agents of change in your church as well. You're counseling your children. You're counseling your friends. Your friend's calling you for coffee and saying, boy, I'm really struggling in my marriage. You need to be a part of that. You need to be a part of a growing church, right? The church being put together so all the parts operate in love, and it reaches the maturity of Christ. So yeah, I'd say, guys, do not throw that away. Get on it.
1: You know, I'm so thankful for you and for Becca and for your family and for your faithfulness. And I have the privilege every so often of driving east-west through Indiana. And there are just so many different state roads that will take you at different places in our state. And when you're not in one of the big interstates, when you're on one of the state roads— you just come across town after town after town that are very similar to LaRue. There's a lot of agricultural land in the state of Indiana throughout the Midwest, and there's so many just small towns. I often think of what a wonderful thing it would be if there was a strong Bible-believing church in each one of those communities, pastored by a pastor and his wife who had Chosen to stay there for a long, long period of time and, yeah. and give their life to faithfully shepherding the flock in that place. And that's what God has called you and Becca to do. Of course now you spent so much of your time also training, but it really is with a goal of seeking to equip other men and women to do the same kind of work that you've done there.
0: Yeah. And you have a you can have a widespread influence in so many different places. That's right. It's amazing.
1: Now, you know, you say that, but I know a little bit more specifically about what that means. Can you tell our listeners about the missions ministry that God has given you and some of the other countries that you have traveled to from LaRue, Ohio? I assume you can get to an airport from LaRue, <laughs> Ohio, <laughs> yes. and, um, and, and God's taken you around the world teaching yeah. this, hasn't he?
0: Yeah. I was in Azerbaijan with my friend Dave, and we were teaching there, and we we're sitting under a statue of Lenin. Hmm. Wow, and I said, "Whoever thought, right, that we'd be here, right? Yeah, yeah, you know." And it's not like you promote yourself; you just just do what God's called you to do. And maybe it'll lead you to Mongolia or Romania or Azerbaijan, Albania. Huh. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But you know, you just serve God faithfully and. See what happens.
1: Yep. You know, we're at a conference right now for the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and you run into so many friends, and you start talking about all of your connections and acquaintances. It might help our listeners to know that you and I go way back, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> because we sure do. <laughs> when my wife, Chris, and I were married, I had just graduated from Baptist Bible College. We were married in August, and so we went on our honeymoon, and then we were going to immediately start school at Grace Seminary in Winona Lake, Indiana. My wife was going to be on staff at the seminary as a secretary, so we wanted to go to more of a rural church, because we're going to be around seminary people all week, so we wanted just to be in more of a rural church. And so we decided to go to First Baptist Church in Mentone, Indiana, and we showed up They had their prayer meeting on Thursday nights for some reason, and it wasn't long. It may have been the first night, or it was one of the first times that we were there that there was this couple, Tim and Becca Pasma, and you, I think, had already graduated from Grace. Is that true? I, I had
0: graduated, and we had gone to Iowa for a year, was farming out there for a while, and then
1: came back. And it's at that time that you meet this young couple that had literally been married just a couple of weeks, and you and Becca decided to take us under your (laughs) wing. That's That's the way it was. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And um, you were great friends to us, great, great friends. We went to church together, we fellowshiped together. I even had the privilege of babysitting your... Chris and I... Babysat Two of your kids, is that right? Yeah, the two oldest boys. And would it be fair to say that we're not going to go into that story of exactly how well I did in one of my first parenting experiences? Okay, I'll agree to that.
0: I'll agree (laughs) not to to mention anything about their first traumatic
1: experiences. (laughs) It's really pretty amazing that you're still my friend after that, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> or that your kids would even allow you to be oh, in the same room man. with you? <laughs> There's progressive sanctification there it is, yes. there. <laughs> there it is. And oh. you know, that is one of the interesting things about the biblical counseling movement. You make lifelong friends, don't you? You do. And that's another part of the whole problem-solving thing. Because we sit on a board together, we don't always agree with every last little thing, blah, blah, blah. And it really is amazing how you can have a group of men and women who become lifelong friends for this exact same reason of just believing in the gospel, believing in the sufficiency of Scripture, and believing in an approach to growth that allows you to solve problems and continue to move together.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Hey, i got a problem with my friend. Well, you know what the Bible says. That's right. And you say you're a biblical counselor. You better
1: deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, Tim, thank you very, very much for your faithful ministry. Thanks for sharing with our listeners today. And praise God for the Lord Jesus Christ who has promised to build his church. Yes. I hope he's doing that in Lafayette where I have the privilege of serving. But it's very obvious he's doing that in LaRue, Ohio. And thank the Lord for that as well. I appreciate that. Thank you. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts. And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Now, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord And it's a blessing to you.